Blog Talk Radio.
You know, a lot of people take it for the birds and the, the you know, the, the, <laughs> no. the flowers. It's, it's, it's no. an awful, it's an awful uh, time period. I think spring is awful. Don't mention allergies <laughs> and birds, you bastard. <laughs> I'm sorry, two of the worst things possible. <laughs> well, when <laughs> when we went bird watching at Jesus's bachelor party, I wound up having a massive allergy attack. Probably the worst nightmare of my life. Um, <laughs> if, if I had to say, if somebody asked me what well, was, was my greatest regret, probably going to that bachelor party. <laughs> I still have yeah. not gotten a good night's sleep since then. How could you? It's because even the I think I've gotten sleep, insomnia. Yeah, even the nights of sleep, you know, that we were there. Remember, like. We we would sleep two hours in Brooklyn and then like an hour in Atlanta and an hour in in Atlantic City. I mean, it's nonsense. Sleep sleep was only to survive back then. <laughs> I I remember just this one thing that clearly stands out to me is when uh, uh, <laughs> we first got there and we saw Jesus at the at the wedding. And uh, we had our tuxes on and whatnot. And we're, I'm confused beyond belief. I don't even know what, what I'm supposed to do. No idea what I'm doing. Nobody's helping us either. And uh, he just blows his nose into a tissue and hands me the tissue. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. <laughs> Very and I'm looking at it. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that was the definition of the trip for me. Uh, it spoiled yeah. the tissue. <laughs> and and it wasn't even like a playful Jesus thing. It was just horrible. Yeah, oh yeah. It was it was it was more like, you know, you guys came in late, you'll clean up my tissues. <laughs> I th- yeah, well I think it was more like I'm the center of attention and you'll clean up my yeah. tissues. I think it was more Absolutely. I think you're right, yeah. That's 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 you're right. And what, like, people um, were pissed with us. I thought I thought people were really pissed with us. Like um, the pastor or whatever, the yeah. priest, and uh, I thought they were just they were, they, were, like, they wanted to kill us. He was like a bootleg Jeffrey Tambor, the priest, <laughs> <laughs> and he yeah, was you're like, right. you know, you're right about that one. And he was like nine, ten feet tall, and yeah. he. And he was like, okay, so guys, here's – by the way, for anyone who uh, has not listened to every other episode of Blazing Right Backstage, uh, this is a traumatic event that uh, my co-host John Weeks and I experienced uh, by being groomsmen in our friend Jesus Alejandro Tirado Morales' wedding. And um, we were in Atlanta. It was 106 degrees. Uh, and we – yeah. Uh, I remember uh, when we got – when we finally, after canceled flights and crab omelets mm-hmm. in Newark and all, you know, an hour of sleep, and we finally get to uh, the hotel, and and Weeks, you, uh, you used his razor, remember? <laughs> <laughs> because the one you got to be able I had no razor. Hit. I used his razor. You were like, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I had no choice. I, I was in such a delirious state at that point. I just didn't care if I, you know, got contracted some disease. And yeah. um, I remember when he came in, the first time he came into the hotel, first of all, he was surprised to see us there. I don't think he was pleasantly <laughs> surprised either. Uh, secondly, uh, secondly, did he, he like, 
oh, it's wet on the floor. There's water on the floor. And he asked us to sort of towel that, which he could have very easily done himself. Yeah. And uh, I didn't understand that myself, but uh, I just remember the shirt. Remember the tan shirt? I had to go through hell to get that tan shirt. Oh. Terrible shirt, oh, yeah. by the way. <laughs> what was it called? It's terrible shirt. Ivory, right? Yeah, it was these shirts that, um, you know, when I read Ivory, I thought that just meant like white, you know, like ebony and ivory. But then, um, or as the Republicans call it, Ivory and Ivory. But then uh, the the actual uh, shirt was this like off-white, beige-ish kind of color and... You know, we had to buy them ourselves. It was just, uh, I went to some discount. I went to oh, Marshall's. I got mine at Marshall's. And, and I still paid too much. I think it was like 10 bucks. And it was way too much. <laughs> I, you know, because you found it pretty quickly. I, I had no idea how to find that. I really didn't even pay attention to any of the emails that were sent. That was probably my real problem. But uh, I had to get that like the day before we left. I remember everything went wrong with that trip, just from the beginning yep. all the way to the end. Yep. And uh, my, our lives were, were endangered many times. <laughs> and if it weren't for you, my friend, and the, and the macaroni and cheese and that bartender, I think I would have died that trip. I don't think I would have <laughs> made it. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, mac- what macaroni and cheese? I remember there was good macaroni and cheese at the – that was the only good tire wedding. I remember the macaroni and cheese. And I remember oh, those yeah. fruity dr- – the fruity drinks. I think I drank a dozen of those. Yeah. Fruity, fruity like mango drinks. Yeah. And I was so drunk. Uh, I think I was. You and I were probably the drunkest drunkest at that party. <laughs> <laughs> we had to be. But I, I don't. But remember, they like they they didn't have. You wanted a uh, what did you want a, a, a John Daly or Tom Collins or something? Yeah. <laughs> I wanted a John Daly. Yeah. Yeah, John Daly, they didn't have it, and so you're like, yep, uh, why don't, can we mix these things? And the thing is, it was, a, it was a terrible drink, but because everything else was so beyond miserable on that trip, it seemed like a good idea to keep drinking those things, and they seemed delicious. Um, but And by the bartender, do you mean Pete the bartender in Brooklyn at the bowling alley? Oh, he was great. He was, that, Pete yeah. was one of the best, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's the greatest. The triangles. Yes, the triangulate. This guy, for anyone who doesn't know, Pete Napolitano, the bartender at Melody Lanes in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, is the greatest bartender you will ever have, drunk or sober. But he talks about the triangulation and the magnitudius illuminus and the epiphanotic givens and the moments of clarity and the birthing moments. And it's just incredible. I mean, I remember one time I was there with Pete and Oh, I was with my friend Nick and his friend, uh, uh, someone. I what the hell was that guy's name? Uh, not, not relevant. But, the, but Nick says something to uh, Pete, and and Pete just turns to him. And keep in mind, this is after like an hour of talking complete nonsense, you know. Uh, and and Pete just turns to him and goes. Yeah, but that's an epiphanotic given. I mean, yeah. And it was so funny. Because it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, what you're saying, it's an epiphanotic given. But the thing is that an epiphany is, by definition, not a given, and epiphanotic is not a word, but he is just amazing. He's amazing. He was written up in the New York Times, Philadelphia Inquirer. He's amazing. It sounds, it sounds legitimate. The funny thing is, I think, uh, did we go there on a bachelor, the first day of the bachelor party with Jesus? 
Yeah. And uh, it was an amazing experience. That was probably the only uh, of the entire bachelor party experience, uh, which you organized. And we met Pete, and I remember him. Pete, did he say something about me and his? Did he say something like we're, we both belong to the same mongoloid race or something <laughs> like that? Did he really say that? I thought, I think I remember him saying, "Oh, my mongoloid brothers" or something like that. <laughs> I think he did think you were brothers. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, and I started and, cracking up, and he just got, I think, very offended. And <laughs> he went out, and he went, and he went to bowl. <laughs> I just started cracking up. I thought it was hilarious. I thought he is the best attraction New York has to offer. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. I went there with uh, uh, the same guy, Nick, and and my friend Sam one time. And the next time I went in there, Pete goes. Oh, right, Ryan, I remember. You were here with the guy that looked like he would put a bomb in the middle of Grand Central Station. I'm not saying he would do it, but I think he looks like a guy who put a bomb in the middle of Grand Central. <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> He's the best. I love it. And the bowling is, you know, we're not even talking about the bowling, but the bowling is very fun, too. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> See, I was so trashed at that point. I was like oh, Tom Fogart. You, you were you were on a different plane, my friend. You were like, I heard you were non-responsive most of the time. I don't even know how you walked around, quite frankly. I mean, uh, you know, I just remember sitting outside that awful chocolate bar, um, and uh, which I don't have any recollection of even going into Manhattan. And apparently, didn't you find me like laying down on in an alley or something by myself? Yes. Yeah. Well, at the chocolate bar, you were like. In a in a pile right on the table, uh, you were you were you were beyond asleep. You were like in a different world, and uh, so I think Ken started putting stuff on you. You like right. put a little candle in your hand because you had your hand cuffed, and um, you know it was, it was very humorous. But it was it was so strange to see you so uh, you know out of it. It was it was funny, and uh, and Jesus looked miserable. Jesus wanted to go to a strip club so bad that night. He just was a horny bastard, I gotta say. But, um, <laughs> well, we got there. All he wanted to do was go strip club, strip club, strip club. And then we, we wound up there. going that one night in Atlantic City. Yep. And it proved Dave. to be terrible. terrible. Yeah. Tell, 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 tell the listener what happened. Oh my God! I don't know if the listener wants to know. I mean, <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> I remember sitting there awkwardly. Um, and uh, this one stripper, you know, fine lady comes up to us, and she's trying to pick who she wants to give a last dance to, uh, even though none of us seem very eager. Everyone but Ken is, <laughs> is very eager to, you know. Uh, and then she's just like, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. She, she, you know, finds me. She narrows it down to me for some reason. For some reason, I think she was on you, but then she pointed to me, and and then I, I got very nervous. Uh, she started dragging me upstairs. She's like, "Oh, come on, honey, we'll go upstairs to the, uh, you know, upstairs room. We'll get this on or something like that." I don't know what she wanted to to do. And then uh, she started tugging on me. Uh, whatever. She she felt my nipples. She tried to grab for my crotch. Um, it was very embarrassing. And uh, after that, I had to turn around. And then Jesus got his last dance. I believe Ken got a last dance as well. And um, uh, yes, yeah, that was probably the worst experience ever, and I'll probably never return to a strip club again, but uh, it was good to have. Good to have. It was what? Good to what? 
good to have. Good to have. Good to have that experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it was not. It was a terrible experience. I still remember every detail. Foxy was her name. Page yeah. was the club, and an awful time was had by all. Oh my God! I don't. That that's such trauma. I mean, uh, should we start the show? Yeah, let's start the show. Let's get the show going. Okay. All right, let's start the show, and uh, we'll start it like this. I used to squeeze my lemon till the juice run down my leg. <laughs> I used to squeeze my lemon till the juice run down my leg. <laughs> I just want to point out that on two weeks ago's episode, it was Tom Fogarty's 32nd wedding anniversary, and he had been partying that day, and uh, he... this. I mean, this is uh, this is a hammered man talking. I used to squeeze my lemon till the juice run down my leg. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, I can't recognize that it is Tom. I, I, I can to an extent, but not really. It's a weird voice. Yeah. <laughs> what are you uh, What are you up to this weekend? Oh, uh, what am I doing this weekend? Um. Oh no. Uh, you know, we're, I'm just going out with my buddies on Saturday night, and. Uh, we're going to go to Texas State, Brazil, and Yonkers, Ponkers for Yonkers, New York. And um, yeah, just what? chill out. Sunday, I don't know what I'm doing. You're going to go oh. to Yonkers? Yeah, Ponkers for Yonkers in New York. Yeah, it's, uh, we go there uh, every, like, once, you know, probably once a year. We go to Texas State, Brazil, you know, one of those Brazilian tourist carrier places, and just kind of go ball out, you know, have a ball in time. And then, uh, Sunday seeing Grandma in New Jersey, and then uh, that's about it for me. Grandma. <laughs> Grandma. Now, can you, can you, how old is your grandmother again? 102 years old. <laughs> and, and, um, how, uh, and can she speak? <laughs> it's funny you should say, okay, she can speak. Chinese, um, uh, and, but she speaks very few words of English. You know, she can actually say hello <laughs> English. And uh, for some reason, I, you know, it's beside me because she's been in this country for, you know, 30 plus, 40 years, and uh, uh, she still can't speak English. So, um, yeah, it, it makes no, much, no sense to me. So it's very awkward whenever I see my grandmother. You know, of course, Kiss me hugs, but other than a hello, it's like me staring at her and her staring at me, or translating through my mother, which is just even more awkward. Um, but we so have we, three three years of Chinese at Yale weeks. So you should know how to talk. I know. I know. Listen, I just say certain things and make her laugh. I say like, I say she's like a child, and I say like, I think I say things like you look good today, and. Uh, other than that, I don't really say much else. I say hello, how are you? The weather is good outside. <laughs> how is her um her eating habits? <laughs> oh my God, you don't even want to know. What she, eats. Um, she, uh, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't have at this age or this point in her life, she doesn't have the ability to like chew. So you know, she can chew, but it's kind of dangerous, especially with the swallowing. So she has to eat mostly. Liquefied food. So what she eats to get the protein is like this pureed beef. It's like this beef soup. It's like split pea soup, but thick with a nasty meat smell. And she eats that 
beat that for, you know, aggressive lunch and dinner. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and feeding her is not an easy process. It's, you know, I, I, I can understand the stuff is disgusting, but, oh, my God, she's a terrible picky eater. She won't eat it. She'll spit it up. Then you have to <laughs> give it back to her. She, she doesn't like it if it's cold, so she has to reheat it. It is a pain in the butt. Uh, the eating process, which would take us normally, you know, 15 minutes, it takes her literally like two hours. If I were the caretaker, I would probably hang myself. Speaking of, if you had the option of either feeding your grandmother every day for the rest of your life or um, going on Jesus' bachelor party once again, which would you choose? Oh my God, that's that's, that's <laughs> this is one of the worst decisions I've ever had to make. Real Sophie's uh, choice, yeah. Uh, it is. I I would have to say feeding my grandmother for the rest of my life. I would take that over Jesus' yeah. bachelor party or yeah, wedding. Yeah, me too. Because both of those. <laughs> yeah, the wedding uh, was even worse. Have you know irretrievably broken down my will and power and ambition to live. I mean, I'm like, I'm a different person than I was back then before we even went on that bachelor party. I, I don't like the person I've become. I'm an awful, terrible person now. And I, I, I attribute it all to that bachelor party. And hey, Zeus. Yes. Agreed. I I think the same of, of me and you. So I, <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that uh, this, uh, by the way, I walked into work after lunch and I had a, a bag of food from the place that I went to. It was grilled chicken, kale, and quinoa. So, you know, nothing fancy. I go in there. One of the salespeople, she's like, oh, can I see that? She grabs – and you know how we talked about how people interrupt you at your desk when you eat all this. But not only does she do that, she's like – she opens the bag, takes the thing out of the bag, and then she opens the carton – and she's like, I just want to smell, and smells the food, and I'm just looking at her like, are you fucking serious? But, you know, I let her, so I don't know. That's bizarre. Yeah. That's bizarre. I, I mean, why? why? Why does she need to smell the food? Secondly, what is she doing doing that? Is it, does she have, like, a fetish smelling people's foods? <laughs> I I think, I don't know, but I think, I think, I don't know, Maybe. But I, 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 but, you know, nothing, nothing wrong with that, I guess. But stop. yeah. <laughs> so there was a, a a kid that I used to work with when I worked at a law firm, and um, uh, he is at an, another place now. Uh, and I ran into him once, and whatever. And then you know, I don't think we ever spoke at the law firm, but I, when I ran into him after, we we spoke, and then became Facebook friends. And I noticed in his Facebook pictures that he's a tennis player. Uh, so let me uh, just do a dramatic reading for you of of the conversation that transpired between me sure. and my old coworker on Facebook. All right. All right. So his name is Matt, okay? Sure. All right. So I go, hey, dude. I noticed you're a tennis player. Any desire to play today in the cold or tomorrow in the warm? Really itching to get back on the court. No good. And then he goes, hey, man, yeah, that's my best sport. 
this weekend is no good. Where do you usually play? And I go, McCarran Park, usually. You? And he says, never been. I have friends who work at Sutton East Tennis Club who can get me in for free, but in the summer, I like to play at Highland Park. What's your level, and does McCarran require a permit? And I go, uh, they will, but not in February. And I go, intermediate, I guess? I don't know. I was captain in high school, LOL. And he goes, hmm, our courts are pretty deep from each other. Are you sure the nets are up? Because they are not at Highland. And I go, where the heck is Highland Park? No, I'm not sure. And he goes, Jamaica Ave, border of Queens and Brooklyn. I usually split an Uber with my bro when we play. And I say, gotcha. And then uh, <laughs> and then a month passed. Oh. And I go, when we play in mine, and he goes, I'm about to become a member of the Forest Hills Tennis Club. We can play there when that happens. And I said, I see. I don't think it has to be too complicated in the meantime. They're not charging to play on the public courts yet. I played in Williamsburg, Fort Greene, and Astoria. And he goes, where in Astoria? I said, Astoria Park. And he says, word, I'm pretty picky when it comes to playing tennis. I don't like to wait for courts or travel more than a train ride because I can either play for free at an indoor tennis club or split Ubers with my bro. And I said, heh, okay. And he goes, so if you want to play, it'll have to be at Forest Hills Tennis Club. And I go, how much will that cost me? And he says, yeah, sorry, lol. I have a lot of hitting, hitting partners, so I'm pretty choosy. $25 guest fee, but we can play for hours. And I said, okay, sounds horrible, but I love tennis enough to do it. And then he says, all day if you can. And I said, this is the most complex conversation that has stemmed from do you want to play tennis ever had. And he said, outdoor court time is free for members. It's pretty amazing. I just took the tour today. It's where the U.S. Open used to be. And I said, I'm aware of that, yeah. And then he goes, Tennis is complex, man, especially when you have a lot of hitting partners and, con and convenient locations to play it. And I said, I'm just not sure why we wouldn't just meet in the middle and play for free since they're not even checking passes yet. I'm going to have to take the subway all the way to Forest Hills and pay 25 bones. And then he says, I guess it's just me being picky because I can meet you and go out of, out of my way or I can meet one of my regular hitting partners and not go out of my way at all. And I go, okay. And he says, we can split the guest fee when we play, and I never responded to that, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's a comedic, uh, you know, succession of messages between the two of you. It sounds like all you want to do is play and have a good time and meet up oh my God. and do something. And the guy is nutcase. He's all he's focused on going to this one place to play tennis. He's obsessed with it. He doesn't back down. He doesn't want to actually play tennis. It sounds like he just wants to go someplace and for the status of it. Uh, it yeah. sounds kind of you know kind of kind of schnoozy and uh, kind of uh, you know uh, cr crappy. This guy's ridiculous. It sounds like it sounds snobby. That's the word, snobby. And uh, yeah, uh, it it sounds too particular and this. This is wow! I would I would get so frustrated. You you had a lot of patience there in that conversation with that guy. Oh my god! I I like I I don't understand. I mean, all I fucking wanted to do was was bring my <laughs> tennis racket and three balls to a tennis court that 
is in the public and you're not charged in the winter for playing. And like, it, it's just like the simple, that's the great thing about tennis is it's so simple to play. It's not mm-hmm. like soccer or football or whatever, where you need a bunch of people or, or baseball where you need, you know, every position field. You just need one dude on one side of the court and then another dude or girl on the other side of the court. And, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, uh, so yeah, and but I, I do think that this is a, a deeper problem though, because I think that his insane attitude about tennis is very much related to the way that tennis is impossible to play most of the time in New York because they make it very hard. They make you pay, you know, ridiculous fees to play on public courts in a public park. And so I wrote a letter to Mayor De Blasio about it. I haven't gotten a response. I posted it all over the internet. I posted part of it on, you know, sent it to City Hall or whatever. But still, um, still nothing. But it's, it's. I think that maybe his ridiculous attitude about it comes from growing up here, and just cool. thinking that it is a complex thing. When growing up in New Haven, uh, go play at Cross, go play at Edgewood, right. go play in East Shore, go play in Hamden. Go, you know, I mean, go, go. Fucking play in Greenwich. There's public courts there. God damn it. You don't need to play for in fucking Greenwich. So what the fuck is New York doing? I don't understand, man. Why? You know, they're really like, I think who is the city of New York to deprive the next Serena Williams of becoming, you know, the next great American tennis hero? You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, comes, it becomes like a almost civic rights, rights issue and, uh, yeah. you know, the ability to play and uh, you remember when we had that one guest on a long time ago? He had like a phenomenal app that he had uh, that that would yeah. tell you what basketball courts would be open and what available Boredom. availability. Yeah, yeah, that was that was amazing. I mean, why don't they have that for tennis courts? Well, that's what I suggested, and I think that they were working on. I think that app name changed though. I'll have to ask him about that. But yeah, it was Connor Hillman and Noah Levine. But the weirdest part about that you mentioning him just now is that Connor is friends with that dude that I just read the conversation with because they worked closely together. They should, they should get to work together and pick out you know the tennis courts and make an app for it. And uh, but I, I had to praise you on that being civic, civically active and writing to the uh, the mayor and. Uh, Hopefully the mayor will respond. I think mean, it's a big deal because sports and activities are great things, and people should be involved, and uh, those those uh, venues should be available and, and publicly known. So I think, uh, but this guy, I don't I understand what you're saying because you know the availability and growing up in New York and things were probably not as simple as you know maybe things were in New Haven. Um, you know, New York's got to make that simpler for people. I think you know and they can attract a lot more people coming into the city and. Um, you know, that's what they have to work on now, you know. They they do it for other sports, I'm sure. You know, like baseball and why yeah. not tennis? You're you're right, tennis is a great sport. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's it's so much easier to do and it's uh less expensive and it's 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 a, it's a great active sport, so I think the mayor should do something about it. Come on, it is- De Blasio, get on the show. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is the only sport for which you have to pay to play in a public court you don't have to you don't see people kicking basketball players off the court because they don't have a a 15 dollar day pass which really is only good for one person for one hour so imagine that you have you have four people who want to play a doubles match in a public park on a public tennis court that's going to cost you 60 dollars minimum which is insane insane yeah that's 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 too expensive that's ridiculous 
Yeah, so I just think, you know, it's discriminatory against tennis lovers, you know? Uh, you know, and it's just weird that a city that prides itself on diversity and inclusion and tolerance and stuff uh, is very blatantly discriminatory when it comes to tennis. It's like they think it's a yeah. rich people's sport or whatever. They don't remember that fucking, you know, Serena and Venus Williams came from Compton. They don't remember right. Andre Agassi is from Vegas. They don't remember, you know, people... Uh, great, great people who became these great American tennis heroes didn't start, you know, w- with a lot of affluence. So uh, it's yeah. just very, very infuriating. You know, they don't, they don't remember that Michael Chang came from Flushing, Queens. I mean, come on now. <laughs> you know who I bet remembers that is, <laughs> is Matt. M- Matt, uh, my um, the kid that I had the conversation with. I bet he remembers that because. He's trying to get me to go to Flushing or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> you know what they should have? Mandated rooftop tennis courts. No good on apartment buildings. Uh, I mean, the, the balls would fly into the street and, you know, could be accidents and stuff. You're right. You're right. One of the oddest things that I saw on the oh, here trip that I went on. Uh, yeah. was a tennis court on the top of the cruise ship. Very odd. <laughs> uh, pause right there. You know what time it is? Oh, my God. It's the Hot Mess Awards. Yes, here we go. Oh, for Tom Fogarty. Fogarty, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> what's up, man? <laughs> Who, who's your first hot mess, sire? Oh, shit. Hey, uh, hey, hey. What's going on? Hey, hey. What are you doing? My first hot mess is going to be Madonna. Ooh. Ooh. Have you heard what she got busted for? No. Something about trying to kidnap her son? No. <laughs> she apparently had, she had no parking signs made for Ooh. three spots out in front of her, what, $40 million townhouse up on the Upper East Side, and also had the sidewalk embossed saying no parking and painted yellow, and I guess the neighbors started complaining about it, so she got busted. Ooh. Yeah. Good. So she was illegally posting no parking signs? Yeah. Oh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. I have Gross. the figure I have the feeling that there's gonna be, you know, little handicap signs on all her SUVs after this now. Because <laughs> then she could do it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And she getting and- up there, you know, fall down them steps one more time. She might be needing it. <laughs> That's Ooh. true. She'd be falling down during her concerts these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. And she's yeah, in melting. malfunctions. And melting down, too, about the her her son is, you know, left and living with the dad, Guy Richie, yeah. or some Pierce Brosnan, whatever his name is. And uh, 
<laughs> anyway, she's very upset. Uh, who's yeah. your second hot mess, sire? My second hot mess is, is this is a twofer. The governors of Georgia and North Carolina okay. who are apparently about to sign in legislation that is very anti-gay. Mm-hmm. It's sort of rolling it back. But I got to say, I'm going to mention something that I know you have had a lot of problems with, as have I, but I sort of have to take my hat off to them. Time Warner has said they will boycott Georgia if the governor signs any anti-gay legislation. Oh, good for them. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. about that? Yeah. Boom, shakalaya. (laughs) Now... (laughs) Weeks usually likes to be on the wrong side of history, so I'm assuming you would be against Time Warner's decision in this case, right, Weeks? I, you know, Time Warner can do whatever they want. I <laughs> I don't see the sense in much of the religious liberty laws. I think they are kind of discriminatory. I think they're the wrong direction to go on. You know, if I think they could sign like a you know a different bill that protects people who. Uh, you know, want to express their religious liberty, but they cannot deny service to people that, uh, you know, uh, they may disagree with. I think that's wrong. So I, I, I think those two bills are totally wrong direction. Well, right. I don't understand what, what, what religious liberties and having a dick in your mouth have to do with anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, like, uh, you know, I, I understand the, the grasp of the issue, but I think, like, you know, if you're a practicing Christian and you don't believe in, Homosexuality. Well, that's fine. Um, You're not going to suck a dick, but I mean, just but, to, no, like. But, but, but what it is about forcing people who believe in those kind of tenets that uh, to do business. And I think well, you know what? Different... I don't. I don't enjoy being forced to like buy all this Christian crap all the time. Right. Well, okay. But no. No. But what I'm arguing. You know I mean? I, I, I don't. I, I separate the two: the business and religion. I don't think. I don't see how they're intermixed, and that's why I disagree with both laws. I don't think. The laws even making much sense to me, so I think. Um, well, there you go. So exactly. They're discriminatory, and I think Time Warner has every right to do that. And uh, I think it was uh, Time Warner. It was Disney as well. And I think Disney, it was yeah, yep, Disney also. And Marvel. So, and I think uh, they said they would not boycott the state, but they would not shoot any movies in the state. Ah, huh. <laughs> I said corrected. <laughs> but I think well. it's a fine decision. I, I also agree with you on that. So. I don't think that's yeah. uh, you know on social issues, I actually tend to agree with Democrats and liberals. I on financial issues and finance economics, I tend to fall on the side of Republicans and conservatives. You're like Ashton Kutcher. Wow. Yeah. Is he? Is he? <laughs> I don't know. No, not Izzy. Ashton. And who's your final what? hot mess, sire? My final hot mess goes to a would-be dancer down in Florida named Fire who was taking part in a dance hall competition. Oh, boy. After she was doing her moves and various things, she did the bone breaker, and she stood on her head, and she did some, you know, spinning around on her ass with her feet behind her ears. She then, in that position, with her feet behind her ears and her coochie frito to God, poured alcohol all over her snatch and lit it on fire. (laughs) At which point, she could no longer pat it out. The bitch was burning. (laughs) They got her off the stage, salved her up, slapped on some Band-Aids, and she went back out to continue with this, like, (laughs) bubbly burnt (laughs) pussoir. 
She won. She won. Yeah. Um, I remember oh, that. Rem- God. That reminds what, what me that there used to be a red-haired uh, fellow in uh, our drama department at Syracuse named Rob Newell that people called Fire Crotch. <laughs> oh, and Red Rocket. Every year, every, every year there would be final marathon graduation. Somebody would make the speech at final marathon and say, "Say and Rocket, you are the love of my." You know, every year he had a different girl say that. It was great. Huh. <laughs> anyway, fire uh, crotch. By the way, uh, Vinny texted while you two were uh, uh, going at it, and he said, "This is uh, getting ugly." Yeah. <laughs> no, we. The funny thing is, we agree. It wasn't an argument. <laughs> I think we agree. I, <laughs> well, are you guys lubed up <laughs> ready to joke off? Well, I've been jerking off. All right, let's joke off I'm a little more. Cue the strings and the horns. It was very catchy. All right. <laughs> uh, so Jesus my... walked into an inn. He puts three nails down on the counter and says, can you put me up for the night? <laughs> waka waka. A Budweiser truck collided with the Frito-Lays truck in Florida on Wednesday morning, making it the douchiest collision in history. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, I once got stuck outside of Orlando as a Budweiser truck had like overturned on the oh, fucking no. freeway and there was just broken bottles of beer for like a half a mile. <laughs> but but was Moesha behind you? <laughs> she don't she did she doesn't driving in LA boo. You don't want Moesha driving behind you on the freeway. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> On Monday night, Republican presidential candidate Ted Cruz defended one of his advisors after the advisor called President Obama America's first Muslim president, whereas if Ted Cruz were elected, he would be America's first Canadian president. (laughs) (laughs) He'd be burper and shit. (laughs) He'd be a burper. A new viral video shows a cat named Mace leaping from the couch to turn off the living room light. This is not the first time a pussy has acted as the clapper. Snatch on, snatch off. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, the noisy vibrator triggered a bomb what? scare. A noisy vibrator what? triggered a bomb scare in Medina, I Italy. My vibrator is making too much noise. <laughs> in Medina, Italy, Wednesday night, police tried to reach the owner for comment, but she said, I'd rather just have a night in. A New Jersey man attacked the Easter Bunny at the Newport Mall after his daughter 
allegedly fell from a chair following the photo. The Easter Bunny forgave the man and said, his sin is the reason Jesus died. <laughs> oh, man. Is that all the little bunny poop that was all around the dude? <laughs> Cumberbatch. Cumberbatch. Speaking of fire crotch. <laughs> a royal toddler, Prince George, calls his grandmother, Queen Elizabeth, Gan Gan. He got the nickname from Michelle Obama. Because uh, remember, Michelle Obama put her hand on the queen's hip. That's right. <laughs> and, said, and said, I know we can make it. Yes, we can, Gan. <laughs> Photos have surfaced of the gun that killed Kurt Cobain. It was found up Courtney Love's vagina. Ooh, her vagina? Would that be her colonial vagina? I, I did say vagina. <laughs> that would be colonial vagina. We're going down to colonial vagina. Colonial Williams, we're down to vagina. Yep, that's some old pussy, Bob. <laughs> when you go colonial and shit, mm-hmm. if you got malt on it. Oh, ew. They got a veranda and all kinds of shit. <laughs> <laughs> the nephew, the nephew of an inmate who beat up Jared Fogle, said he was seeking justice for the kid's Fogle abuse. Apparently, he also gave Jared a five-dollar footlong, if you know what I mean. I bet he did. <laughs> I bet he did. Uh huh. Uh, now, I know you feel a certain way about all this crap that's been going on in tennis this week. You Jesus Christ. You lie. Mm-hmm. Jesus. It's <laughs> ugly. Yep. It's ugly. Novak Djokovic walked back comments Let's... this week where he stated male tennis players should get paid more money than female players. To which Ooh. Serena Williams said, but what if you're a male playing on the female tour? Just curious. <laughs> yep. No, it's ugly. Yep. Yeah. I couldn't believe Djokovic said that shit. It's insane. Well, the part of me though, that uh, either the men should like roll back to the best two out of three, or the women should start playing three out of five as well. Yeah, mm. that's the that's the one because, thing is that there the is parity in the women. I mean, for yep. the most part, a match never lasts more than a goddamn hour. Sometimes yep. they're open 30 fucking minutes. Right. You know, when you've got an unseated playing one of the top ten, you know, they just come out and beat the shit, knock them around the court, and they're yep. off in 35 minutes. Right. So from that standpoint, it is kind of ridiculous. And the fucking men, like, sometimes play three, four, five hours. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, or uh, if you're Nadal and uh, Federer and that Wimbledon finally play all damn day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there, there, there is, there is something to it. But I mean, mm. not to couch it in the racist terms that, or in the sexist terms that <laughs> it's been couched in. Was there racist? That, I didn't hear the, the racist. Asshole. No, I misspoke. God damn, oh. Jesus Christ! <laughs> okay, especially the asshole who, who won the tournament. Who runs the tournament? You mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm over it now. Bye. See ya. Ew, no. Come back, sire. 
Come back. Black. I'm here. Now. Can you can you can we hear a little bit of that Chewbacca sound again? No. <laughs> a, no. Is it Racine or Racine? Racine. A racist. Racist. A Racine Minnesota Minnesota teenager went to have bowel movements and a oh. baby unexpectedly fell out of her vagina into Colonial the vagina. Making oh my it god. The shittiest birth on record. Oh, oh god. <laughs> Thanks for the question how large that child was. <laughs> Not the one being birthed, but the one giving birth. <laughs> Wait, I just don't understand when like people like aren't aware they're fucking pregnant. You <laughs> <laughs> to like go to crap and have a baby? What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, a was baby. she a heifer? I mean, a very was easy thing. Blowzine. <laughs> if she just, you know, flushed the baby down the toilet, that would have kind of solved the whole deal, you know? That's just wrong on so many accounts. <laughs> but so Sire, Sire, can we hear a little uh, can we hear a little Carol Channing and Ben Carson? No. Please? No. Pretty please? No, yes, please. No. You gotta grease me better than that. Please, please, pretty please. Oh, no. Oh. I think I've I've offended the wizard. No, you haven't. Come on, wizard. No, I'm just on my period. That's all. Mm-hmm. I used to squeeze my lemon till the juice run down my leg. Oh. There you go. <laughs> you went back in your bag of tricks for that. I had to. You left me no choice. Uh, all right. I had no um, choice but to go to the videotape. I'm just <laughs> <a producer> <laughs> Tom Fogarty, it's thank you. It's just been one of those days. I'm sorry. It's okay. No problem, mate. No problem. We love you, and uh, yeah. don't, don't get captured. What? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he, I said, don't, he says, what? And then uh, I play the thing and he hangs up. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, Weeks, what? Um, what? What do you think? What is your, 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 what is so I'm just supposed to read this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um we just had somebody some some other caller show up. I don't know who that was. Uh Wait a minute, who? I, I don't know, but it was a two oh three number. So who's who who's around you right now that's calling? The Julian? Nobody's around me right now. I don't know what's going uh who who can it be now? 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 And that's all we know. Um, so I 
Guess what podcast I was listening to? Oh my God! It's not your your boy. Oh my! Gilbert I, I, Godfrey, your boy. Yeah. So listen to this. This is they're interviewing a um film uh, a, a a a a comedy historian. He's an author, comedy historian. His name is um he has a weird name. It's like Flinch for gratitude or something. But listen to what he <laughs> says on the thing and Gilbert's reaction here. And maybe the best one of all is the uh, king of country swing, Spade Cooley, who was in prison for stomping his wife to death. He had the number one. uh, The Honeymooners reference. Spade Cooley. Oh, yes. Spade Cooley had the top regional TV show in the 50s in Los Angeles, but he stomped his wife to death, killed her with his foot. Good Lord. Went to prison. (laughs) Went to prison. You know, that's a southern musician, right? Went to prison, was released released from prison on uh, one day leave to perform for an audience of soldiers, did the show, and as they were applauding, he dropped it. (laughs) And with that... (laughs) What do you think of that? Oh, my Lord. Yeah. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I don't think there's many worse ways to die than getting stomped to death. (laughs) But, I mean, the guy was a great comedian, so you got to give it to him. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> the, the, uh, but notice how similar also, now that I'm thinking about it, this guy sounds to the other guy. So let's hear that guy again, the flinch for God to do here. And maybe the best one of all is the uh, king of country swing, Spade Cool. Okay, so there's that voice. And listen to this voice. As far as for you... You don't use the tampons, please. <laughs> but you you were saying to put them on my butt. <laughs> no, no, I meant your your rectum. I don't I don't want you putting them up your butt. That's not good. <laughs> and maybe the best one of all is the uh, king of country swing, Spade Cooley, who was in present. Pre- do not eat it. Do not. Okay. <laughs> Throw I'll, it in I'll, the trash. All right, then, big letters. Do not. Do I give it to my dog? And maybe the best one of all is the uh, king of country swing, Spade Cooley. Well, what are you going to do if you have to go to the bathroom? <laughs> How's it going to come out? Um, I, I figured if I have to poop hard enough, it'll just come out naturally. Well, I did. I so did anyway. what you said before while we were on the phone, so I already have one up my butt. <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding. No, no, I, I wish I was. pull it I'm out not. before it gets stuck up in there. What? And maybe the best one of all is the uh, king of country swing, Spade Cooley, who was in (laughs) prison for stomping his wife to death. He had the number one. uh, The Honeymooners reference, Spade Cooley. Oh, yes. Spade Cooley had the top regional TV show in the 50s in Los Angeles, but he stomped his wife to death, killed her with his foot. Good Lord. Went to prison. <laughs> went to prison. You know, that's a southern musician, right? That's, that's went to prison, was released, on, was released from prison on uh, one day leave to perform for an audience of soldiers, did the show, and as they were applauding, he dropped it. So. Oh, my God. And with that. <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, don't oh they have the same voice? They have the same voice, these guys. That that is oddly and, and weirdly similar. Yes, I, I I don't know how you caught that, but uh, I think you might be onto something because they might be the same person. Yeah. Oh, so, his name could, is... could be a reincarnation of Kate Spooley or whatever his name was. <laughs> and uh, but Kate you know, the, in that whole dialogue there, the funny thing is, 
you heard the worst way to die, being stomped to death by your husband or significant other, and the best way to die in front of an audience clapping, you know, you know, in applause, in great applause. I right. mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. I think that's very strange. I think, But the voice similarities are very odd and eerie. Yeah, yeah, you got that right, Tommy boy. Um, <laughs> Bane's Maine. Bane's Maine. Oh, okay. <laughs> what the hell? I, I forgot I started the question earlier. Oh, yes, you did. You did. I, I'm sorry. My favorite scene in Bane's Maine. My favorite scene is the Damn it. Damn it. You, you who's, my who's the, scene the, main, who's the, the mayor? Bane's Maine. Who's the mayor of Bane's Maine? Is that uh, Cliff Nesterhoff? I think it's Cliff. Yeah, Cliff Nestor. Yeah, Nesterhoff. Yes, you're right. Yeah, okay. Cliff. Cliff. Continue. Okay, uh. My favorite scene is she's, a, she's the main feature made of Bane's Maine. And I, I hate to go political on this one, but Amanda Bane delivers a phenomenal performance as the narrator of a rally clip. And I'm going to just read it to you. And she does an amazing job, first of all, uh, impersonating a male uh, candidate. Uh, so I'll, I'll just go through this with you. It's, okay. It's kind of airy as well, but uh, we'll read it if I can find it. I said, write this out. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I said, what's going on? And who knows what it is? You know, the famous Trojan horse. Is this, could this be a Trojan horse? I read this the other day, and I said, wow, that is amazing. That is incredible. And it is the snake litter. So it goes like this. On her way to work one morning, down the path along the lake, a tender-hearted woman uh, saw a poor, half-frozen snake. Take me in, oh tender woman. Take me in, for heaven's sake. Take me in, oh tender woman, sighed the vicious snake. Clutched him to her bosom. You're so beautiful, she cried. But if I hadn't brought you in, by now you might have died. She stroked his pretty skin, and then she kissed and held him so tight. But instead of saying thank you, that snake gave her a vicious bite. I saved you, cried the woman, and you bit me, oh heavens, why? You know your bite is poisonous, and now I'm going to die. Oh, shut up, silly woman, said the reptile with a grin. You knew damn well I was a snake before you took me in. And that's my favorite scene, and she's the main man for your main affairs, man. What in the hell was that? It's an odd clip. Uh, <laughs> of course, the Donald Trump rally clip, uh, where he's basically citing an Aesop fable. Um, and he's, you know, you could you could gather what he's what he's talking about. He's talking about immigration, though. And, uh-huh. uh, I thought it was very powerful. And the clip is called "Vicious Snake." <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, but uh, Amanda Bane does a phenomenal job of that. <laughs> yes. He, who plays Amanda Bane, or who's she playing? <laughs> it's uh, Janet Reno with a blonde wig. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, um, my favorite scene is she's the main. She's the main, she's the main, she's the main, Yes, yes. My favorite scene is she's the main, main, she's the main, main. It's a little bit longer than I anticipated, so bear with me. <laughs> That's here. all right. Oh, excuse me. All right, here we go. Uh, I, I do not know. Let me just make sure. Yeah, I do not know. I think this is from. I think this is from 1986. Mm-hmm. It's from Saturday Night Live, and it is 
Gary Shandling's monologue. Oh. Thanks a lot. It's great to be here. Thanks. It's nice to see you. Thanks for coming, and it's great to be here. I've always wanted to host Saturday Night Live, you know, and, uh, gee, they've done comedy that always approached art, and, uh, well, all right, I'm just happy to be doing something on a Saturday night. That's the truth. <laughs> and I wasn't sure what kind of monologue I wanted to do because, uh, have you guys seen me do monologues before? Yeah? <laughs> and you're pretty thrilled about me doing another one, I can tell. And I really don't know if I wanted to do a monologue. And then I called my girlfriend. Actually, she, it's my ex-girlfriend. We broke up because we were having huge arguments over who was the most disappointed. And I said to her, <laughs> should I do a monologue? And she said, I can't take this kind of stuff anymore and got out of there. We were just approaching the stage where we were comfortable around each other in the relationship. You know that place where you start to be yourself and she would blow her nose and it made that honking sound, it grosses you out, and I got used to the noise, and then uh, it, it, when the geese hit the window, you know, I, I can't take this anymore, so I got out of it. Uh, a pretty girl, actually, she was a stewardess for Federal Express, so, uh, but I met a new girl who I started to ask about the monologue. I met a new girl at a barbecue, actually, a very pretty girl, blonde, I think, I'm not sure. Her hair was on fire. And she talked about, all she talked about was herself. You know those kind of girls? I'm hot. I'm on fire. You know, me, me, me. You know, help, put me out. Jesus, some sort of Hollywood chick. And I said, how about me? So we go out on a date and we go dancing. And I'm sure you can tell just by looking at me, you can tell I'm a great dancer. So the truth is, when I go to a disco or something, I actually picture the video of that song and dance like they do in the video, which means, you know, i got to carry smoke bombs. You know, I take a wind machine. It's a whole thing. But I said, should I do a monologue to this girl? And she said, well, I don't really care what you do. It was a weird date. The weirdest date I ever had, I took a girl. This is the one I'll never forget. I took a girl to see E.T., right? So now I take this girl to see E.T. We're in the theater. She couldn't let herself get into the fantasy of the movie, right? So, you know this one place where the bike with E.T. on it goes up across the moon? The girl yells, I'm sure. I'm going, this isn't a documentary, honey. That's not real live footage up there. She must dream at night and go right. I'll bet. But I don't want you to think that I haven't been dating. In fact, just a few weeks ago, I made love to a woman for an hour and a half, and... uh well, well, thank you. Well, it was on the day you put the clocks ahead, but that still counts. Well, you should know this about me. I'm not kinky sexually at all. Occasionally, I like to put on a robe and stand in front of a tennis ball machine. But hey, we all have our own thing, you know? Maybe take a few fast ones. Maybe hit a couple back. So... Now it's supposed to be real hip to express your needs in bed, which, boy, I'm just too shy to do, except over the phone to people I don't know. Then I can go on forever, even through that loud whistle. So I said, wow, I'm hosting Saturday Night Live. Do I want to do a monologue? What kind of monologue? And I couldn't decide if I wanted to do one, so I called my mom. My mom lives in Arizona. I was born in Chicago, raised in Arizona. I moved to Arizona when I was three years old because my brother had asthma. 
My mother said, we got to move because your brother has asthma. I said, geez, just vacuum. Because every time someone slaps the couch, the kid has an attack. So, And my mother actually taught me nothing about sex. I asked, how did the chemicals mix? She said, just look at the dogs in the front yard. So to this day, I'm afraid I'm going to be hosed down while I'm doing it. So anyway, I said, do I want to do a monologue? She said, I really don't care, son. So I don't know what kind of monologue to do. So I called my dad, and my dad, I grew up with my dad as well. I actually learned to drive on my dad's lap. Did anybody do this? Yeah, I used to sit on his lap and work the wheel, and he'd work the brake. And then I took the exam and sat on the examiner's lap and failed the exam. But he still writes to me, and that's the good part. So... The final person I bounced this idea off, I've been looking for a house in L.A., and I'm thinking this week I've got to go do Saturday Night Live. What kind of monologue do I want to do? I said to the realtor who showed me the house, now I've never bought a house before. She shows me a house, $350,000 on a hill, two bedrooms. She tells me it has a great view. For $350,000, I'd better pen up the curtains and see breasts against the window. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to see light for $350,000. <laughs> so anyway, I think I may not actually do a monologue, is what I thought, and move on right to the sketches. How do you feel about that? Because this is really the reason that I wanted to be here to do the sketches. So why don't we just get started with the sketches? Wish me luck. I'm going to go over to where I do my first sketch, and this will be great. Look. Here I am on TV. God, look. There I am. Is that what I look like? Sorry. Come on. I think it's over here. Oh, look. This is the set where I'm going to do my first sketch. God, I hope this goes great because, you know, the first sketch is really a barometer for how well the show is going to go. But I feel pretty good about this one because this is a sketch where I return a sweater to the department store. Wait. There's a catch. I don't have the receipt. Is this going to be great or what? All right. I got to go get into character, and I'll see you in a minute. Have a good time. And that's my favorite scene, and she's my my future band. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> phenomenal Thanks. job. An ode to Gary Stanley, and then it's phenomenal. Rest in peace. That was yeah. amazing. I loved it. I, you had me laughing. You had me uh, you're balling. I, I, thought, I thought the jokes were well delivered, and you did a great job. What a what a genius he was, and and he will be. Seems like we have this conversation once a year. It, it's uh, Robin Williams, Gary. It's like one you know comedy icon uh, or more a year, uh, and uh, it's uh, very shocking and sad. He's only sixty six. No one knows why he died except he went to the hospital for a medical emergency, and uh, it's very. Cool. Uh, you know, and I, I, bit, I just finished uh, Sick in the Head, Judd Apatow's book, where he's interviewing all these different comedians, and Gary Shandling shows up in there, and he's Shandling's really the guy who kind of gave Apatow his big break, because that was his first, like, real writing job, was on the Larry Sanders show, and from that, he went on to, mm -hmm. you know, Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared and Knocked Up and, uh, all you know, everything he's done since then, um, mm -hmm. and uh, so, uh, very, like... And the thing is, though, 
he never became he was never a huge movie star like Robin Williams whether that was his choice or not I don't know but people it's people are much easily more uh quick to identify Robin Williams as a comedy icon but people don't you know a lot of younger people right now people in their early 20s and stuff they don't know Gary Shandling because they didn't grow up with Gary Shandling show or the Larry Sanders show and um I remember my uh first memory of him was uh my first coherent memory of him was watching the Grammys because the Grammys used to be like the Oscars where a comedian would – now, LL Cool J has been hosting for so many years now. People forget that they actually used to have a comedian host the Grammys. So it was Larry Sand – I mean Gary Shandling for a few years. And uh, that I remember that and him being very funny. And um, I remember, you know, kind of when they had like free previews of HBO on, uh, on cable in uh, New Haven and watching uh, – uh, the Larry Sanders show, um, and uh, what a genius show, and what a what a loss, what a loss. Uh, you have any uh, Chandling uh, stories? Yeah, I know. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not you know so knowledgeable on Gary Chandling. I do know of him, and I, you know, just listening to comedy, I think he's great. But um, you know, I think uh, when you talk, I talk to people who, uh, you know, are regular common people who listen to this comedy, they probably won't say Gary Chandling is one of their favorite comedians, but I think when I, uh, whenever I listen to interviews with comedians like Larry David, Jerry Seinfeld, they always, always mention Gary Chandler as one of their favorites, one of the reasons why they got into comedy in the first place. And uh, I find <laughs> they find him hilarious himself. So I think very much so he was the comedian's comedian, and uh, uh, he was a great mind. He was a good person. He seemed very down to earth, and he, you know, seemed very easy to make fun of himself, which I think is uh, a great comedian in itself. So. Um, you know, it's like one of those uh, deaths that you can never really get over. I'm still not over Ron Williams, and I don't yeah. think I ever will be. Me I neither. Think, quite frankly, the world is much worse without people like Ron Williams. They'll never find anyone like him. Uh, but, uh, you know, and Gary Chandler was in that category, and, you know, rest in peace. And, uh, you know, along that note, I think, uh, you know, I didn't listen to his music much either, but, you know, there was a lot of outpouring for Fife Dog, I guess, the tribe called Quest. He passed away. Oh, yeah. Young age, like Gary, Gary Shandling, uh, 66. Uh, you know, Fife Dog was 45 years old. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty scary. It's like, you know, especially when, you know, we look at our age and we're like 10 years away from that. You know, so it's just, um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's sad, you know, but, but amazing how these people have created such legacies and kind of impacted their game and their, their field so much, you know, by the age that we are, which kind of makes me depressed. But, uh, you know, but you know, much kudos to them. Rest in peace, and I think they deserve their credit as as is due. Yes, sir. All right. Well, on that sir. note, um, I uh, can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying, "If it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz." Hit the brakes, Florence. R.I.P. Gary Shandling. And um, I, there was one time when I uh, attended a play, and. <laughs> Uh, it was, we were friends with, uh, Rip Torn's new <laughs> wife. Unfortunately, the old one was long gone, but, um, we went to the play and then there was an after party and, and Rip has this tendency of thinking that, uh, you know, the cops are out to get him and, uh, he was very, uh, drunk and, uh, he was going around at the after party that, of the play that his wife directed and he was arm wrestling everybody. And uh, this was many, many years ago, keep in mind. And he uh, beats everybody. And then it got to me. 
but I had the grip, and I <laughs> and I beat him. And then after that, he goes, he says, somebody owes me a martini. <laughs> and if you have a Barbie doll, what are you going to do with that fucking thing? <laughs> Take her out. You're going to get some Taco Bell. Hopefully those new crunch wraps that are good for driving, you know, drive around with her. Uh, you'll, have, you'll load her up on those crunch wraps that are help good for driving, I guess. And uh, they had that crunch, especially that good crunch that keeps you awake at night. She'll eat so much that she's going to take a crap. And when she craps, she's going to have a baby. So congratulations, you're now a father. Yeah. By the way, those those new crunch wrap tacos came out in 2006, so I don't know how new they are, you know? <laughs> A little late for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good night, weeks. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.